the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on the KDOW app and Radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chatting to have some fun now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary here's rob black on the wall street business network i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. Any way that I can ultimately do it is my goal. Wall Street is filled with products that are good and bad. The bad ones typically have things in common where they're expensive to you. You could do it better on your own. And ultimately are probably enriching the salesperson more than you. I tend to feel that every single industry has got for lack of a better word, people like this. Shysters. Where you go, hey, do I need a haircut? And you're like, oh, yeah, you need a haircut. Or, hey, do my tires need to be uh, changed? Oh, yeah, your tires need to be changed. And they're, they don't even look, right? It feels that way. Um, I want you to stay away from high-cost, high-fee products. And one of the ways you could do that is ask whoever you're working with, is that a high-cost, high-fee product, or how much are the cost and fees? Never sign anything on day one. I tend to, and this does not mean you should, but I tend to kind of stay away. Um, again, for lack of a better word, from insurance people. I'll start there in my professional career and say, I'm, I'm not throwing all insurance people out of the bus. And I think some of the ones who are great are like sometimes it's the, you know, um, the medical benefits people because they really know the product and they can say, oh, you got a kid with special needs or you got a kid who's going to need braces or you wear contacts or whatever it is. They can kind of know the product well. And if they're selling group insurance, it's group insurance. It's like for me, this sounds ridiculous, but you've heard the commercial. Big Lou is like you. He has term life too. Let's talk about this. I don't know how Big Lou does it on radio. 
he's all over radio advertising. I imagine there's 10 different Big Lou's in history kind of thing. Big Lou, oh no, the new Big Lou's dead. He was in a car accident. Let's pull out another Big Lou. Oh, oh, he's got a scandal. Let's, let's hide him and pull out another Big Lou. But life insurance, there's three basic types. Term life insurance, variable life insurance, whole life insurance. You can also kind of get into some annuity insurance, but let's, let's not go there yet. Whole life insurance is something you don't need. If you do everything else correctly. If your plan is to leave money for someone in your life, maybe an heir, maybe a child, based on the concept that you're just never going to invest or retire, that you're never going to have a nest egg to say, I'm done, that's the only case I could really make for it, or even like maybe a charitable thing where you're like, I'm worth $4 million. If Stanford buys a $4 million whole life insurance policy and gives it to my heirs, then I'll give $4 million in my stocks to Stanford. Winner, winner. I don't know why the IRS lets it happen, but it lets it happen. So I had a father, a grandfather-in-law who lived till he was 92. He set up shop in Southern California. He owned uh, an avocado farm. He On that avocado farm, he learned there was oil, put in an oil well. He owned a house. He owned a second piece of property because in the 1950s, and they said buy property kind of thing. And he did. He saved. He was the kind of guy who would eat one egg, half a piece of toast, and half a piece of bacon for breakfast every day. He was amazing. He was a charming grandfather where his grandchildren would come to visit, and he'd put a full-size candy bar in both hands behind his back. And whichever hand the kid picked, they won. He'd put two $10 bills in whichever hand they picked, they'd win. That's awesome. He saved money his whole life. When he was 92 years old, he had his children. And his children had children. So he was a grandparent, right? And his children's children had children. But he was dead by then. Right about that time. So he never got to see the great-grandchildren. But when he passed, his children didn't need the money. They are 60 years old. They'd lived their whole life. They had invested in pensions. They had done, they'd have done a job. His grandchildren didn't, didn't need the money. They are starting off their careers. It's lovely to think about, but when you're 92, you don't need life insurance. You need life insurance from age 20 to 60. When grandfather was 20, he needed life insurance for his spouse in case he died. Picking avocados, I don't know how many people die, but let's say he died. His spouse was a stay-at-home mom. She probably wouldn't need it to make ends meet until she turned 60 and got Social Security. So you go with term life insurance. Term, if you're a 35-year-old man, you've got a fiancé, you go with term life insurance for 25 years. Start there. Mathematically, you're not going to die before 60, and that's why the insurance company sells it to you at a very cheap cost with a lot of commissions involved. Big Lou, I'm not going to say I support him because I've never met him. But all I can tell you is that it's tough. It's almost legally impossible to oversell term life insurance. It's way easy to oversell whole life insurance. There's a big fat commission because you're going to keep it your whole life. And that insurance company's stoked. You're going to live till 92. You're going to make a payment when you're 91 years old. And then you're going to get Alzheimer's disease and forget about it, not make a payment. And then you've paid for it from age 20 to 91, and it's canceled. They're big winners. 
But had you invested that money from age 20 to 91, you probably would have had tenfold your investment, your payout. Whole life is a bad product for 99% of the people I know on the planet. Term life is the best product for anyone who has someone that needs their income replaced from age 20 to 60. Notice I said that anyone that has someone that needs them. When I was 20, I had girlfriends and a cat. To be quite honest with you, if I died, everyone would have been okay. I totally expected Amanda and Juliet to go on, to do the, pull the Titanic. You must go on, Rose. You must. Hmm. Did Jack get her pregnant before? Was any of those grandchildren hers, his? I, doesn't matter. She went on. So now there's one more life insurance. I have term life insurance. I don't have anything else. Everyone that I know in the industry who's a financial planner, who's a financial expert has term life. They don't do anything else. Now, the people who sell whole life are like, Robble, 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 Rob is crazy. He's cray-cray in the head. Like, whole life, don't you want to have that protection taking some own money? No. I want you to buy term and invest the rest. It's, it's on my bumper sticker. Buy term and invest the rest. It's one of my 20 things that I believe in if I were to only believe in 20 things. Variable life insurance makes me vomit because it's half insurance and it's half investment. So it's, it's got the fees of investment management, the fees of insurance, the commissions. It's the worst of both worlds. But you get some of your money gets exposed to the stock market, but not the dividends. It only gets like, it, it's crap. It's a sales pitch. that's crap, 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 crap. Do I like it? No. Is it a good idea? No. It's a bastard product where you're paying for both insurance and investments. The best thing you can do is get an ETF, cheap investment costs, and term life insurance, cheap life insurance. Don't make this tougher than it is, ladies and gents. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com. Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union with 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. I once got into a fight with an HR person who wanted to give me a job title that I didn't want. I hate titles like senior vice president or vice president. I hate them. It may not be the smartest thing to turn down a title, but it could be part of your brand. Branding is super important in my opinion. Um, and why do I say it quite like that? I don't think this is very, very difficult. And I want to kind of guide you into some basic ideas. Today I talked about whole life, variable life, term life. If you ever buy whole life, shame on you. I'm not selling anything right now. Nothing. You probably don't need it. If you sell it for a living, I'm sorry. But 
I wanted to do a podcast called All Things Financial because I, I think I get that for you. And it allows you to know the starting roster of the San Francisco 49ers or know what play your kid's going to be in at school this year and practice with them. I can help you. I can do some cheat sheets for you. First and foremost, the stock market has market volatility. Don't get involved with it unless you have a 3, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30-year time horizon. But at least a 3. I don't know if Russia is going to annex a country. I don't know if the Saudi Arabia is going to shut off the oil valves. I don't know if Kim Jong-il is going to throw a missile strike. I don't know. But I know that over three years, it'll probably be okay. Because historically, that's what it's done. You can take a look at the stock market, and you can see World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Kennedy assassinated. You can see the Senate floor being invaded by Cubans and opening at the Capitol building with shots. A little part of American history that's forgotten but Wall Street doesn't even see it. When you take a look at a 50, 60, 70, 80-year chart, all those big events kind of fade into capitalism, which is a slow grind higher. Joseph Schumpter, my favorite economist, once said, capitalism is creative destruction. I could not agree more. But it's kind of a thing of beauty. I can sit here and tell you, like, my favorite restaurant when I was a kid and you, you were to look at them today, they're, they're all different because of capitalism, creative destruction. When you look at the tech companies in the 1990s, there was two companies, Ericsson, let's say three, Ericsson, Nokia, Sony. They were the dominant companies. Before that, it was digital equipment, IBM, Intel, Microsoft. They've all passed the torch. Do I expect Facebook, Apple, Samsung? Do I expect them to pass the torch? They've learned from their predecessors, and they're going to try to give it up a little bit more begrudgingly. And for the record, out of nowhere, Microsoft passed the torch, and they picked it right back up because no one did. Good for them. Good for Satya Nadelli. Awesome CEO. If I were to collect CEO trading cards, he would definitely be one of them. So I want to do a show called All Things Financial because that's my job for you. It's not that hard to figure out the market has volatility. It's a great place to be if you got three years. Now, next year when I say that, I'm gonna, you're going to say, Rob, should I still be invested? Because I'm worried about, and it could be the president-elect. It could be inflation. It could be market valuations. It could be Kim Jong-il. A year from now, you're going to say, Rob, I'm nervous. And I'm going to tell you again, you got three years? And you're going to say, but you said that last year. I know. I'm looking forward. You always got to have three years. Otherwise, you should have another plan in place for getting out. So when you look at market volatility, it just comes with the territory. I love it. I love when the market's down. I love it when it's in the toilet. My best times to invest were 2000, 2002. My other best times were anytime Saddam Hussein would invade Iraq or Iran or Kuwait. Where did he invade? <laughs> Anytime he would do that, America would go, Ooh, 
what are you doing? And we'd send missiles over and we'd send planes over and we'd send troops over and oil would go skyrocketing. And people would say, that's crazy inflation and the stock market's going in the toilet. If we're going to war, war's expensive. War's actually a job. It's not the worst thing to do in the U.S. history as far as paying people to go to work. I know you're saying that's – you have no scruples, Mr. Black. I probably don't. But this isn't that tough. You just – you got to learn where what you're playing with. Markets tend to hit new highs every three years or less. So you're not going to be going through a period of like, oh, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And three years later, I'm down in the dirt. I still haven't recovered. You know who didn't recover? The people that sold and then waited to get back in while everything was going up. And they were waiting for it to dip again, waiting for it to dip again, waiting for it to dip again. And it never did. So this isn't that tough, all things financial. First things first, when you talk about the stock market, you got to give yourself three years. When it comes to investing, I would say go with index funds or ETFs before you go with individual stocks. The mistakes I've made in my career when I had five-year time horizon was buying individual stocks. I once bought a company that's a classic Rob Black mess up called Exodus Communications. It's run by a woman named Ellen Hancock who was out of IBM. Good pedigree. And her idea was basically farms of data. So she built these huge warehouses where companies would say, um, you, we're going to host all of your company's data. You don't have to have a server. You never have to buy a server ever again. We'll do all that for you. This was in 2000, 2001, 2002. And the stock basically goes from like six to 200 down to zero because it was expensive. And when the dot-com bubble burst in 2000, 2001, 2002, they, they weren't prepared. To, they didn't have the cash to survive. The bubble let them be acquired or the bubble helped them go bankrupt. The bubbles, when they crack and companies put themselves up for sale, they tend to hide a lot of cockroaches that the company wasn't going to survive on its own. But you're going to make mistakes, so I want you to be well-funded. ETFs or index are the best way to go. I've never made a mistake when I've given myself three to five years with indexes. I've made mistakes with individual stocks. Once you get up to $100,000 in ETFs and indexes, Maybe you can buy your first stock. That's my opinion. You're going to have your opinion. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The buildings that you put up, what you put in China, all it up. A sign that I can't read, all right. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Little Strumbellas. Like umbrella. The word Strumbella. One of the things the show is about is getting to retirement. And I'm trying to make a, a case this hour to say it's not that difficult. You got to know that if you're going to invest for retirement, there's going to be market volatility. The best time to buy is when things are down, not when they're hitting all-time highs. But you have to buy at all-time highs too. You have to commit to playing the game every two weeks, every quarter, twice a year, once a year. You're making some sort of commitment to stay for three years. When it comes to 
taxes. I don't give a lot of advice because we're all so different. We live in different states. We live in different cities. We have different spouses who have different amounts of money. We've got different concepts of aggressive uh, taxation versus passive. I've got extended family members that didn't pay taxes. Like for years, they hid money in a pool business doing cash only kind of thing. I don't mind paying taxes. It was one of the very first lessons I learned 20 plus years ago in this industry. Old people hate paying taxes. You know what happens when you're paying taxes? You book to profit. Now, you can disagree with the tax rate. You can say, I want to be tax efficient. No doubt about it. But taxes in and of themselves aren't evil, nor credit cards. A lot of people are like, that guy's got me in trouble. No, you got yourself into trouble. I've had credit cards for 20 plus years and never missed a payment. I've always auto paid them through my bank. And if push comes to shove, and I had a credit card problem coming straight out of college, but not since then, I would ask for help. I used to say, and this was just a different time in radio and television, like, hey, if you get into credit card trouble, call your Uncle Rob. I'm Uncle Rob, and I'll stand up for you, but you're going to pay me 20%. Like, no. You don't want to borrow money at 20%. You want to go to your parents with your head tail between your legs or whatever it is, your head between your tail. I, I don't even know these terms. But it's not that difficult. Market volatility comes with the stock market. Investing, you're probably better off with ETFs or indexes. I've never lost when I've played for three to five years with an ETF or an index. I've lost on individual stocks, but now I'm really good at it. I try to stick with what I'm good at, as Warren Buffett would say. Don't play Bobby, uh, don't play the chess champion in, in chess. Play him in checkers. That's your only chance. Stick with what you're good at. Mortgage is the most powerful tool you'll have in your life. Your home is not the best investment you'll ever have. No way, not a chance, no how. It's a liability that turns into an investment. And that liability where you're sitting in a monthly payment, where you're paying electricity, where you're paying property taxes, if you were to send all that into the stock market over 10, 20, 30 years, stock market's going to quadruple your home. But the home is a nice, passive, stupid way of accumulating equity. Every month, I've got a $3,400 mortgage payment. When I first started out, maybe, gosh, I don't even know, a very small amount went to equity. And every year, a little bit more goes to equity, a little less to interest. A little bit more goes to equity, a little less to interest. So I'm paying myself to live there. It's awesome. I'm okay with that. But for those who run commercials that say, real estate's the best return you'll ever have, they're trying to get you to do a transaction with them with commissions or fees historically, stocks are a way better investment than real estate. And if you think about it, it tends to make sense. You have to have an economy that's working for real estate to continue to go up. In theory, you have to have wage inflation. So for those of you who don't like the idea of a minimum wage hike, if you're a slumlord, you love it. Because people are going to be able to afford their rent a little bit better. But then you start to hate it because... If we're pushing minimum wage higher, maybe they're saving a little bit more so they can buy their own property down the road and they can pay themselves. I'm not against real estate. I own real estate, but you will never catch me saying real estate's the best investment I've made, which for the record, I doubled my money in a home. Back in 2000, let's see what year is it? 2000 minus 12, so probably in 2008, in our last major real estate correction, I bought a home. It was cute because I bought it on Easter weekend, which meant 
the person I bought it from was a 90-year-old plus woman who probably wanted to spend time with her children. She'd lived in the home her whole life. I instructed my realtor to, let's write a nice letter. Let's show the kids. Let's show the dad. Let's show the mom. Let's get a good family picture and say, we will love this house like you did. Because she raised kids in it. And it was Easter weekend. They were all flying in from around the country. The father had passed away years before. They're all coming in to say goodbye to the house. And on Tuesday before Easter, I gave her a cash offer and said, I've got beautiful children. Like, let's do this. And her real estate agent, who was from out of town, didn't know how great the city is and how up and coming it was. So she's like, they're giving us what we're asked for. Let's do it. So she got to spend time with her family on Easter. They got to say goodbye to the property. It was all beautiful thing. And I got a home that no one else bid on. I'm not proud of that, but I'm not saying I played the system, but I knew how to get a home. So this isn't rocket science. And I'll tell you this, that home has gone from 950 to 2 million since 2006, 2008, 2008. That's a great return, but it's not the best return I've ever had. And it was a huge liability in years one, two, three, four, five. If I lost my job, I lost the house. And in year one, two, three, four, five, if the stock market dipped, I still had to pay my mortgage instead of funneling that money into the stock market. My property taxes are egregious. And every year I have to pay them or else. You get the idea. So investing is not that difficult. You have to think of things like, I'm going to be exposed to the stock market. There's going to be volatility. I need to get the insurance that's appropriate for my situation. Invest, Insure what you can't afford to lose. Term life is better than whole life or variable life. Homeowner's insurance is important if you have people coming in your home and they might fall. Or you have a refrigerator that might overflow and you have great wood floors that suddenly get buckled. You insure what you can't afford to lose. I tend to use a higher deductible, so I have a lower monthly payment. But I've got emergency savings to cover a worst-case scenario. Um, life events are something we should talk about here. College and, and weddings instantly come to mind. Then you can get into some cute ones like grandchildren and second marriages. Um... And life events could be stuff like, what type of parent are you? Are you competitive with the Joneses? If you have your kid play soccer, my kids play competitive soccer, club soccer. And they spend more in one year on club fees than I spent in 18 years of playing soccer. Probably about 16 years total. Made it to my sophomore year in college, then everyone was better than me. Up until then, I was, I was competitive. And then everyone was better than me. But it's expensive to raise a kid today. Do you want to be the type of parent? And I, there's a girl that I was had a crush on. I went on a date 20 years ago. She's now happily married. She's up in Oregon. She's kind of the salt of the earth kind of person. She's kind of, I don't want to say grunge, but she posts a lot of pictures on Instagram of her kids catching fish. Not playing club soccer, catching fish. Club soccer, very expensive. Catching fish, very cheap. What type of parent and life events are you going to do? Are you going to be the competitive one? Having a kid from age zero to 17 is 
easily $250,000. And if you give them nice clothes and send them to good schools, it's easily $350,000. And if you send them to college, it's another $250,000 in today's dollars. How many kids a $600,000 decision, $500,000 decision? And if you're going to commit to like the best computers, the best phones, the best soccer clubs, it ain't cheap. You know another life decision that you're going to have to make that, that's kind of an important one that you really got to grasp financially? Employers don't want to hire you. They want you to work less than full-time and or be an independent contractor, i.e. self-employed. That is a show. I tend to say if you're in love and you're young, try to fall in love with someone who has a corporate job if you're going to be an entrepreneur or self-employed. And if you work at IBM or Microsoft, try to fall in love with an entrepreneur because the taxes for an entrepreneur are great. The healthcare benefits for an IBM employee are wonderful. I know you're saying, you think about this stuff? I kind of do. I'm kind of a mess. I do like looking at like Oprah Winfrey, who's one of the richest people in the world. She was raised in a poor family in Mississippi. Born into a poor family in Mississippi. She got one great piece of advice while she climbed her way into a career. It would have been a cute career. She would have been a reporter in Baltimore. But when they gave her a daytime talk show, she got advice to leave the ABC moniker and syndicate it yourself. And that changed her life. Why do I bring that up? I don't know. It was Roger Ebert, or it was Gene Siskel. She was dating one of them, and they had at the movies franchise that they, they syndicated on weekends across they didn't care if you were ABC, NBC, CBS. They syndicated King World or whatever kind of thing. Syndication where there's a ton of money. Otherwise, Oprah would be an average wealth person in Baltimore. Or did she have it in her the whole time? Or did she get good advice? Life events. Independent contractor versus employee. Little things take you incredibly far in the world. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money and investing more. Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union. With 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black. On the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. I won't be on radio or television forever. I do want to say thank you for paying attention to me. There's a lot of good people in this world who do financial talk. I'm just one of them. Um, I like Rick Edelman a lot. If I were to have a stroke today, I'd say he's not going to do too much trouble. I liked him more when he was younger than as he got older. And the fact that he does financial planning and is willing to take clients for clients 
I, I don't think he can diversify properly. He's taken some small clients. As he got older, he sold his company. And I get it. But I like the threshold of you should accumulate wealth and then you should manage wealth. I look at myself as a wealth accumulator. Um, CFPs are wealth managers. I love the combination. I want you to do a lot of this on your own until you have wealth. And then I want you to consider a professional just in case you make a mistake. Um, oftentimes on the show, I say, hey, when I was 20, I didn't have enough discretionary money for beer and investing and paying someone to change my oil. I learned to change my own oil. When I'm in my 40s and I'm like, some life events are starting to hit me and the dryer goes out, I go to YouTube and go, how to fix a dryer? And there's too many of them in this. So you go, okay, how to fix the Kenmore L5470 dryer? And sure enough, boom, it shows up and it ain't that hard. I'm not saying that's where you should be. I used to change my own oil. Now I'm liquid enough that I don't have to and I don't like it. It's something I'll pay someone else to do. Um, same thing with my taxes. I found taxes to be a problem. Um, there's so many tax rules, so many tax codes. There's so many things that you forget. It's not as easy as buying TurboTax and punching it in when you have a property in Washington State and North Carolina and California. You have a second home thrown in there. You're like, I'm going to pay someone. Uh, because I'd rather it be done right than not done correctly. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A lot of what I talk about is getting into retirement. And one of the concepts there is where am I going to live in retirement? That's a big one for people, and you should kind of start experimenting with it sooner than later. Let's go back to when I was dating Juliet in my 20s. We decided we're going to live together. She works in D.C. I work outside of D.C., so we're kind of trying to find something geographically between the two to make sense. Found a great place. Only problem is we visited on the weekend. We didn't see what it was like Monday through Friday with rush hour. It was a nightmare. Second place was better than our first place we found. But we were locked into our first place for probably a year. Um, same thing with retirement. One of the worst things you could do is say, I'm going to retire in Florida. Having never been to Florida, having never, one of the times I landed in Florida, it was an evening and this big bird, I'm getting this, uh, I'm getting my rental car. This bird flies into my face and tries to go up my nose or in my mouth. I'm like, what the hell was that? turns out it wasn't a bird. It was a flying cockroach. I'm like, Florida has flying cockroaches. I'm out, not retiring there. Again, I just a little bit, but you really should kick the tires on where you want to retire. I know someone who's retired in Belize, Guatemala. I'm like, that's courageous. Cheapest place in the world to retire is Tonga. Cost of living's cheap. I don't know anything about Tonga. I imagine I'd probably be the tallest person on Tonga being at six foot two. And with all my luck, Conan O'Brien would move in and he'd be six five and being number two is not quite like being number one, right? So in your golden years, you should really kind of practice it a little bit before you actually commit to it. 
So let's say you're going to retire at 62. Probably around 59, you should start cutting back on work and seeing what it's like to take the day off from work, seeing what it's like to live in Arizona. It's 120 degrees. Figure it out. You have a little bit of time. Don't rush into it. Worst place to spend your golden years and where to retire instead. You can find articles like this through the wazoo by using Google. And I highly recommend you do things like that. Talk to friends. Family friend of mine retired into Reno when they were in their early 60s. It was great. They were very social. Reno was nice, had a good international airport. You can get anywhere in the country, kind of cheating halfway towards that family in Washington, family in Virginia. It's not a bad place. Um, and then they kind of got in their late 60s and early 70s, and they kind of learned we're not comfortable with us. Our, our doctor network's not great. Our friend network's not great. We don't want to travel as much. So they moved into an old folks' home back closer to their family that has kids. Now, what's interesting about that, they're like, we want to be next to our grandkids. Guess what? How many times the grandkids have come to visit them? None. When, you're, when your grandkids are 20, they don't want to hang out with grandparents. Grandparents think they do, but they don't. Is just my running commentary. I could be wrong. You could be a different family than me. Don't get mad at me. Don't send any letters to the editor. If you do, my name is Gary Radnich and I'm Rob Black. Um, you kind of have to practice this stuff. And it's a big decision to move from Reno to the back to the East Coast. It's expensive. All your furniture, you're doing yard sales. You're trying to move some of it. You're putting some of it in storage. You don't want to be messing with these, these life changes in your retirement. They're expensive and they're stressful. And then they find out their grandkids are never going to visit. They could have picked a better second retirement home after the first one didn't work out the way they wanted to. But they went from the fire. They went from the pie and pan, pan into the fire and they're going to do it again. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me at robblackshow.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flint. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.